Hello there. This is Pastors of the Roundtable, the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church, brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. We encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. We are here continuing our our, uh, our walkthrough of a series of some of the most searched theology questions that people have Googled. And so we've talked about who is Jesus. Um, I forget some of the others we've even talked about. But today we're going to talk about what is the Bible? Um, if someone was to come up to you on the street and ask you, what is the Bible? What? Why do you read it? Why is it important? Um, what role does it play in your uh, faith or in your church's life and practice? Um, what would you say? And so I think that's a helpful question that people are actually looking online to see what is this Bible all about and what does it mean? So let's throw it out there. What is the Bible? Scott, what is the Bible? The Bible is God's word. Okay. (laughs) That's all you would say? That's it. That's all they need to know. Okay. Answers everything. Has God spoken outside the Bible in past times? Yes. Okay. So the Bible's not just God's word. It is God's word written down, right? Yeah. So it's scripture writing. Revelation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. <laughs> you, there we go. Get it, I'm, I'm trying to stir up some conversation here. Like, come on. <laughs> you got to do better than that. It's authoritative. You know, it has authority. It's in, infallible. We would say that it's not, there's no... Nothing corrupt or, or um, nothing faulty it is exactly as God intended it to be. So when we, when we hold a, uh, a Bible in, in our uh, society today, above our head, above our heads, what you're doing right now. I'm holding the Bible, <laughs> I'm always under the authority. Um, but it is an interesting thing, first of all, to think about that. Um, you know, whenever I, I was, I, there's a thing, Vince Lombardi the famous Scott, now you, you can check out for a minute here. All right. um, Vince Lombardi was I'm the out. coach <laughs> of the um, Green Bay Packers, right? In the 1960s when they were awesome. And I've always heard that one of the things he would do, um, maybe even for the Packers guys, and whenever they would show up for the training camp and everything, he would open up and say, gentlemen, this is a football. And like, it was like, the point was, <laughs> we're starting from basics mm-hmm. and we move from the basics to the, to the, to um, the more advanced things. And in a sense, that's what we're, um, that's what we do whenever we hold this book. We say, this is a Bible. Now, one of the th- crazy things is, is we actually think that these writings, these ink on pages, um, the ink on pages with these words and sentences and paragraphs and all of it put together is God speaking to us in written form, in written form. Because before, uh, really before Moses there was no scripture written down. Um, God spoke or revealed himself through prophets. Um, and what would, um, let me ask you this real quick. What would have been some of the disadvantages of having, um, not having God's word written down, but simply having it stored in your memory or a prophet coming to speak to you like before Moses wrote down the scriptures? What would have been, I mean, that was a great blessing, but why was that? Why was that less perfect or less um, um, complete or desirable than what we have in the Bible today? Does that make sense? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think you just have less of an ability to protect it in terms of holding it together, remembering, you know, what was said. Uh, if it's based on, like, your memory or passing it through the generations, I mean, that that didn't happen. There's If you read the Bible and you see historical events through the Bible, there's there's times in Israel's history where they do basically lose the written word. Yeah. And it leads them into some pretty dark places. Sure. Right? And when they discover it again, uh, it brings them back. Right? Right. And so it's, <clears throat> I guess it's a more... Uh, I don't know how to say it, more safe way mm-hmm. to safeguard. It's a greater safeguard mm-hmm. of, of his word, I guess. Definitely. Yeah, and, and it's it wasn't as accessible. You know, you the people had to rely on the prophets, you know, yeah. and, and they had to, it was, it was, you know, more sporadic or special occasions, thus says the Lord. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, God's speaking to us. But it wasn't just, you can open your Bibles and you can hear the word, of the Lord, and you know what He says, and He what He intends, and so it was. It would have been harder. I mm-hmm. think it would have been harder to to uh, have kind of consistent devotion toward the Lord, um, and uh, to know His will, mm-hmm. because they had to rely on outside sources. Yeah, so. I also think of a, of a, an aspect of assurance mm. and certainty. Um, for instance, it is possible theoretically, right? Maybe cultures did this for a long time to be married to somebody without a piece of paper, without any kind of documentation. In cult, some cultures around the world and in the past, you could be married without documentation. But it is helpful to have that document. Why do, why do we have that piece of paper? For verification and to assure us and other people um, that, no, that really did happen. I'm not, I'm not just, there's not, there, my mind isn't just playing tricks on me. And similarly, too, I think, whenever we think about God's word, um, having it in written form, putting it in writing, further assures us and confirms the truth about God's grace to us in Jesus Christ um, in ways that um, simply having um, an oral transmission or just trying to hold on to it in our minds. Um, scripture is a superior form of, uh, of, of revelation in that sense of holding fast and and also it's much easier to pass on the faith um, to other people and to preserve it and safeguard it for for generations to come tim did you have something you wanted to add yeah i mean in written form it it's harder to change change it you know what i mean and you can document changes when they do happen document that and so Mm -hmm. and so we actually have that i can't remember where it was but i was preaching a sermon recently i mean it was here but i can't remember where in scripture but like uh no it was one of the psalms i just yeah. did in verse 13 uh which psalm was it which psalms did i just do 16 this sunday yeah. and then 80 150 no no i can't remember it really made it 145 impact. psalm 145 140 <clears throat> i think it was psalm 145 i think that was it yeah, i wasn't was even the acrostic. here here's the acrostic yeah <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I think that's it was two weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, verse 13 is maybe partially not in there. Because it's, yeah, it's an acrostic yeah. alphabetically. Yeah, and, Psalm 145. And in like the King James Version, it's missing. Yeah. It, it, it's always it's never had the, the none, the N. Mm-hmm. Well, in new discoveries, they have found documents that had that in there. Mm-hmm. And so now, like the ESV and some newer versions will bracket that and say, because mm-hmm. this has been found here it is mm-hmm. right <clears throat> but that's a that's a big deal it's a big change because we right. have writings for a long time and yeah it's just 
So, because like even now, <clears throat> I think the Jewish religion still has like oral tradition, mm-hmm. which we would say gets them in trouble because sure. rabbis have this oral mm-hmm. tradition that seems to change or flux mm-hmm. or whatever. But we have, we have the written word down that doesn't doesn't change. There's no, there's no variation, right? I and I can, well, this we might get into this later, but now people have it in their hands as well, the Bible, mm-hmm. and so when we teach it or preach it, we tell them open. Here, open to this page, and they can read it. They can see that the sure. person teaching isn't adding anything to this. They're not. We're not putting words in there, or changing it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which makes it more, uh, more reliable. I think more trustworthy. Yeah. So let me ask you this: What was in the Bible, and then leading up to fairly recently, um, where we have widespread printing mm-hmm. and availability and literacy? Uh, before that, what was the experience? of God's people with the written word of God? Like, how did they experience it? Where did they experience it? And how is that, how does that, how should that inform us as well today in a way of, um, in, a, in an age of, of an emphasis on private personal devotion, how does that impact the way they experienced the Bible back then? And how should that kind of remind us to not neglect other forms outside of the private devotion? Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, they experienced uh, first, like, on tablet <laughs> and the Ten yeah, Commandments, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, and so then that was placed in the ark, and there was just special times where it would be seen or, or heard. Uh, but, for yeah, for the longest time, the only place really to hear the Word of God read was together with other people others at you read the bible corporately yeah that was the first and And you yeah yeah, and you didn't read it somebody read it to you right you know and you you had the opportunity to listen to listen to it and so we see that in the bible we see examples of that don't we uh when people would gather and hear it like scott was saying it would get lost (laughs) they'd find it and what would they do they would stand and read it to the congregation right to everybody Mm -hmm. this is the word of god this is what we should be following Mm -hmm. we haven't been following it um, yeah, so you didn't have like, like when we go to youth camp, we have personal devotion time. That that's new. That's pretty new right. in the mm-hmm. in terms of reading the Bible. Right. That's new. I mean, people prayed and stuff. Sure, on their own. and certainly thought about God's thought about word. It. Yeah, because you were told sure. to meditate on it, right? But, and even in their but not everybody homes. had a scroll yeah, laying around in their yeah, house. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. Was it like every seven years yeah. that Something the like that. that it was to be read? The, the Torah law. was to be read yeah. Yeah. to yeah. The Deuteronomy con- thirty one. I think yeah, it actually says I. It may also mention even the sojourners. Mm-hmm. So even people who were non Israelites, everybody, women, children, yeah. boys, everybody, yeah. everybody was to get together to hear the word yeah. read. Yeah, they were to hear it read. I mean, every new king was supposed to like make their own copy. Yeah, right. Yeah, so they would know it well right so that they would rule well that obviously didn't happen <laughs> very yeah. long um but yeah no that's it was supposed to be read i mean mm-hmm. it was taught you know like in mm-hmm. jesus time it would be in the synagogue i guess right yeah. right mm-hmm. and so right. like they were taught that mm-hmm. from an early age but yeah you were dependent i mean even in the early church like you were the church is dependent on gathering together mm-hmm. to hear that teaching right up until I don't know, you know, the 16, 1700s when right. books are actually able to be produced and, yeah. you know, given out fairly cheaply. Right. Um, yeah, it, it's not been a normal thing. And so we live in an incredibly blessed time where we actually, every person uh, has the cap, at least in our context, has the capability of having a copy of the scriptures mm-hmm. 
that they can read and that they can see God's revelation. Yeah. There are some disadvantages to that, though. I had an interesting study in a class on that I remember in college because now what you have is you have the Bible to everybody and you have a lot of weird interpretations. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now everybody has their hands on Where before mm-hmm. it could be, it can go both ways, right? You have it guarded by the priests or by people who are trained to read the Bible. So there is like a, a guarding of it. At the same time, it only takes a few people to really mess it up at that point. And YouTube. Right? A few what? people in YouTube. And YouTube. I'm saying it only takes a few people and YouTube. Oh, to now, then that's spread, what I mean. Yeah, now. yeah, to spread some really yeah. weird... Yeah, to where mm-hmm. now, yeah. <laughs> what I come across is people who will say things like, well, that's this is my interpretation mm-hmm. of that. It's like, right. what are you talking about? Sure. You know, and... Uh, and so there are struggles that come along with everybody. Yeah, the danger is, yeah. and first of all, yeah, everyone should make use of the Bible as they can privately. Mm-hmm. We should. Um, yeah, read it. But on the other side, you need to remember the context in which it's given is a community context. I mean, the first place, I mean, you see this even in Exodus chapter 24, when Moses makes the covenant with Israel, he has the scroll, the co- the book of the covenant that he takes the, remember, he takes the blood, sprinkles it. So the context of scripture is of covenant. It's the document between our Savior and his people. And we experience the Bible. And here, the people of God experience the book of the covenant only with other people. So the, the the danger is, right, is that whenever people start to engage in um, personal devotions, that that becomes individualistic or solitary mm-hmm. devotions. And then you're reading the Bible without the community, uh, the church. And consistently we see, whether Old Testament or into the New <laughs> Testament, um, the public reading of Scripture is not something that we do that's a nice relic of the past. It, there is something actually... Um, and I think you mentioned this one time, Tim, you went to a class, right? And they said, if you read the Bible in a different geographic setting or location, mm-hmm. you were saying about how it, it, it changes the way you receive, yeah, it, you imp- it impacts something the way you receive the, yeah, you just see it a little different. And similarly too, I think there's something different from whenever I'm reading to myself to where I'm sitting in a church with a bunch of other sinners and we're hearing the word together. There's something different about that dynamic than if I'm home alone. Not saying the truth is different, but there's a reason why God has ordained public reading of Scripture. That's the book of the covenant. Um, And so we want to make sure, too, that whenever we talk about the Bible— that and, and maybe this is important. Sometimes we we think we'll we'll get them an individual a Bible to read at home first, and then maybe get them to church. And I hope they I hope we can do that. On the other hand, we need to remember the primary way, the more foundational way, is actually get them to church first, and then hopefully they can understand the Bible at home. Because on their own, they're probably not going to be able. I mean, it doesn't mean they can't, but yeah. the and church is so foundational. The yeah. corporate community is so foundational throughout yeah. the whole Bible for understanding and applying and receiving this book as God's word. It makes you think of, I mean, like Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch, Yeah, you know, on, on the road of, you know, the eunuch is sitting there reading from Isaiah. Yeah. And he doesn't understand what he's reading. He has it, right. but he doesn't understand it. What does it take? It Well, it takes... And apostolic, well, he was a 
deacon. He was a deacon. He wasn't an apostle, we're, but he had been we, taught right, right, by the apostles there. And why don't our deacons? Why are they not able to fly around like like Philip was? Yeah, taken by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. <laughs> not, okay. Dropped him. Larry yeah. maybe has a story. Yeah, <laughs> and, and kind of going along with that. I mean Nehemiah. So you had you had the exile take place, and then when mm-hmm. the people came back, they had lost the Hebrew language. So they're speaking the Babylonian language. And so Ezra, they build the pulpit, right? Yeah. And Ezra is preaching the word of God. And there's, I think, seven Levites around him. And they're, as he's, and he's, he's reading the, the Torah, he's reading the, the scriptures, and then they're inter- interpreting, you know, and the, I think the word is um, basically digging or has the idea of, of rendering the meaning mm-hmm. so that the people can understand it a in their language and b what God's yeah. word actually means. And so it's both auditory, as you said, and instructional. Yeah. And it has to be both. And the people heard the instructional piece within a congregation setting. Yeah. Yeah. And that set the place for then the synagogue's movement to come out of that eventually. I right. Think, I don't know, sometime. Yeah. That, so. And, and so whenever they heard that word, um, right, they were, they were, out of Jesus, the New Testament, where they were cut to the heart. Yeah. And similarly with Josiah, he was cut to the heart. So whenever we read this book, at the world looks at this book as just ink on a page, but we believe God is using this ink on a page and a preacher or a reader to, to read it um, and to preach it, that that is actually God's voice. Um, and it, that God is speaking to us in the pages of Scripture. Mm-hmm that he is addressing us. And whenever you look at the Bible, whenever you look at the word of God in the, in the Bible, the way the word functions, the word of God is not simply um, just uh, mere air or vibrations in the air. God's word creates what he says. He, his word is powerful. So yeah. when he says, let there be light, light occurs. Mm-hmm. So God says in Isaiah, he says that he will send forth his word to do what he has purposed it yeah. to do. So whenever we are reading the Bible and whenever we are hearing it read and when we're hearing it preached, this book is the word of God. Remember uh, Jesus, whenever he's facing temptation, he says um, that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth mm-hmm. of God. And this Bible is the mouth of God. This is that Sinclair Ferguson has a book on the Bible called the mouth of God. And that is, that's really powerful. So whenever you think about opening the pages of scripture, you're, you're drawing near to God's mouth to hear Mm. a a word that comes from from the eternal one into our time and our place to address us and to draw us to himself in Christ. Yeah. And with, with, when Ezra was doing that, the people were standing, if you remember yeah. as a posture of like openness. And I think I remember reading about Augustine when Augustine would preach, which scholars say he would preach for about an hour, maybe more. The people would stand up the yeah. whole time. Yeah. <laughs> and he would sit, he sat down yeah. and they would stand, which kind of shows you the reverence, which we've lost a lot and shows you again, that it's, you're under the authority, you're open, you know, let him who have ears to hear, let him hear, you know? And so I think that's pretty neat and significant to that posture of receiving. Mm. You know? Yeah. So the Bible is infallible. It's inspired by God. It comes from the father in the son by the spirit. Um, it is a per, it is an encounter with, with the living God to read the Bible, to hear it read. It, you are encountering God. Let's ask this question. Um, what are the two main sections of the Bible? So if someone comes up to you and says, so, so where do I start? Or how is this Bible broken up? What do we tell them? 
Old Testament and New Testament. Uh, is that what you want? The answer? Yeah. Well, well, so okay. All right. One point. <laughs> yeah. okay. What is the Old Testament? But you Tim? said, "Where do I start?" That was a different question than what are the sections. Okay, whatever. You All got right, the preface. You got, uh, preface. You, got the, you got the maps in the back. You know. <laughs> okay, so what what is the Old Testament? If someone wants to open up the Bible and they see something says Old Testament, they've never had a Bible before. What would you say that is? Uh, I would say in the Old Testament, you're going to see the story of how God created everything, how God chose a people, Israel, um, as His people. You'll see. Uh, where God gives the law to his people, you're going to see a mess <laughs> of <Yeah>. a people. <laughs> um, but what the Old Testament is, is it's the writings and the life of the people of God before before Christ, before, before Jesus had come. And in the New Testament, what we have is we have Jesus uh, comes on the scene. Mm. And you could get into a lot from there, I guess, sure. but that would be the most basic yeah, I think I would start by telling somebody that really the focal point of the Bible is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like he's really the focal point. Mm-hmm. And the Old Testament is, it is about history. It does have things of like how God created everything, the Israel, the you know old kingdom and how all that happened. But all of that has a central point that it's leading up to. Yeah, And that's the division where you have the New Testament where Jesus comes and and what happens after he comes mm-hmm. right and all that happened with that but i i think it's helpful to somebody who's never encountered the bible before because there's so many things that you can get lost in yeah um questions that not that they don't matter but they're not the primary question <clears throat> for when you're coming to the bible correct um and so i would just try to frame for that person that this book really is about one person yeah it's about jesus and as long as you understand that, that's going to help guide you as you read through mm-hmm. this. Yeah, well, right. a problem would be with saying that. I think from like if if someone said that to me, I didn't know what the Bible was. I probably would quit reading pretty quick because I'd mm-hmm. be like, "This person, he said it's about. I haven't even got to that yet. I've been reading for eight months or whatever. You know, I've been reading a really long time. Uh, what's happening?" And so. <clears throat> I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. I, it's the main point, and it's what should be said. But I think coupled with that would have to be instructing them how to read it then so that they see. Yeah. yeah I no. wouldn't encourage them. I don't think any of you would either. I, w- I don't think you guys would say, well, start Genesis and just start reading. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think any of us would encourage. Yeah, no, and that's, that's, that's exactly why. One of the reasons I would say that is because, yeah. like, you don't need to start in Genesis. This isn't a normal book. Right, yeah. Right? Even mm-hmm. the Old Testament up to a certain point is not in chronological order. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to understand Christianity, it's not necessarily the most helpful thing to start in Genesis, like at the beginning. Uh, it might be more helpful to start with the person of Jesus in one of the Gospels. Yeah. And then you can fill in the gaps. Or Revelation. I mean, you can you start with one of that the easier be, books. Yeah, like Song of Solomon. Yeah. Yeah. Song of Solomon or Revelation are great starting points. Yeah. But that's. But I think what you're bringing up is is a good point because if they do start at the very beginning and you tell them this is all about Jesus, they're like, I've not heard one word mm-hmm. about yeah. this Jesus yeah. guy in over half the book. Right. You know? yeah. There is a Crossway produces. I think it's them. They produce like a um, like a, a a division of. It's like you don't read the whole Bible, but you read like the most important sections of the Bible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> No, I'm serious. Like for somebody who's new, like oh, it starts right. with Genesis, and I'm saying like if someone was brand new, it's, it's like, like a summary. 
of yeah, each book? It's not a summary. I mean, it's you're reading the Bible, but you're not like reading straight through. You're not going to read straight through Leviticus. Yeah. Right. They you're basically not gonna, don't include numbers. Right. Well, they cl- they include probably like parts of Genesis. Yeah. And, I, I get the concept. And so it's, like. It can be a helpful concept. And I concept. think that could be that? a helpful concept before. Um, so I don't want to rail- railroad this conversation, but I feel like we, we are tiptoeing around this constantly and what we are saying and how we're approaching this. I think a real good question is people reading the Bible on their own. Is that good? I know we keep saying it, it is, is good. I know, yeah. but I know we keep saying it is, but we all know the great danger with it. And the fact is for most of uh, Christendom that didn't exist. And so we can't say it's a necessity sure. because it's not there. And we, we also know it's not even scriptural. It's not even really in, you're not going to, you can't point anyone to a passage that says read your Bible every day. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not there. Now we, we assume that it would be smart to read your Bible every day because mm-hmm. we do we do have it, and I do agree with that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, but just for the sake of conversation, I do think it's wise to not just gloss over that and tiptoe around the fact that the way that God established for people to know His Word was through the church, like we talked about a little bit. And there are people that God has put in place to teach His Word. They had the prophets, and not everybody was a prophet for a reason. God didn't want mm-hmm. it that way. He mm-hmm. could have done that. He could have made everybody a prophet, but He didn't. It was individual people were prophets, and they had to wait till the prophet talked for God to hear from God. And what we see in the New Testament is God has established the church. And in the church, he's put leadership. There are some to be called elders, pastors, and their job is to teach the Bible. And they are to be the authority on teaching the Bible. And what we have seen happen today uh, is that has been eroded away. Most people do not come to church acting like the Ethiopian eunuch, saying, how would I know unless somebody tells me? They come saying, oh, I know. What do you think it is? I don't agree with you. I'm gone. It's like, well, who are you? Hmm. I'm, a, I'm a pastor. I'm someone God has called to do this. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not, I'm not getting at that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's like God has established a, an order yeah. for this to happen. And so even as you're talking, you're like, if you were going to give somebody the Bible for the first time and tell them what to do, what are you going to tell them to do? My answer, I think, would be you should come to church. That's what you should do for a really long time. I'd almost be hesitant. It would be like, I don't know where to send you in that yet because I think you're going to get really confused. I think you should come to church. I think you need to sit under some teaching. I think you need to be led for a while. Or at least one-on-one with somebody who's wise, wiser than you are in it to really guide you through it. Because I don't think this is a book you should approach on your own. You sure. I mean, it's like meeting them, meeting with somebody to read through John or whatever it might be really is the best, the best thing, the best case scenario. Mm-hmm. I just think that's a fascinating discussion because we don't ever talk about that. And I think we're scared of it because it comes across as uh, us saying, don't read your Bible. Right. And that's not what I'm getting at. I'm just saying, I don't know if that's the true design of what God has in place for how people should come to know him is just by finding a Bible in a hotel by the Gideons and all of a sudden they're saved and they're going to be a, pe- you know, I'm going to preach this thing. I don't think that's how the, it works. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Not for, not normally, despite the fact that that has happened for Again, many people. And that's what we always go to. Mm-hmm. That's what we always go to. What about that guy in jail? He found his Bible and he got saved. Yes, God can do that. But God also uses visions, we find out too, mm-hmm. for people. But we don't go around preaching that and saying, wait till you have your vision. Yeah. We don't say that. Yeah. God can use different means at times. I guess my only pushback to what you're saying, because I think there's definitely, like what you're saying is absolutely true with the fact that there are so many printed Bibles and Everybody in America at least has the cap, the capacity to have their own copy. With that comes greater interpretations or different interpretations. 
I think there's also plenty of examples throughout history of when the Bible or the scriptures have not been available to the masses, yet the truth is still lost. Yeah, because oh, the oh, people yeah, who do have it, they're lost. I'm not denying right? so that. So, like we talked about Israel, like they lost it. You know, you talk about like what happened prior to the Reformation. The gospel was lost in the church for a while, right? So it's like even when the Bible is not available to the masses, you still and only available to a few. There's still the possibility that you're going to get erroneous interpretations, right? So it's not. just... I don't think you're. I'm not saying we'll be void of that. That's not what I'm getting at. Yeah. The erroneous interpretations, because like I said, I'm not perfect. So I'm sure there are things I would interpret wrong. Uh, I'm sure I do, mm-hmm. right? What I'm what I'm saying is what was God's design, and it seems to me mm-hmm. when I read the Bible that God's design was for the church to teach the Bible to sure. people, and that is people's initiation most of the time into God is yeah. is the church, mm-hmm. right? right? And and that seems to be washing away, I think, mm-hmm. and even taught. Oh, it's sure. Like that's not it anymore. So I had a couple things. First of all, I was just smiling whenever you said I'm a pastor because that reminded me of Pastor Jim on YouTube. Where he says, "I'm no a pastor. I'm important." I have no remember idea that guy that got the angry pastor in Oklahoma that was berating oh, yeah. his congregation. <laughs> yeah, I remember. And he says, "He says, hey, you listen to me. I'm a pastor. I'm important." <laughs> so anyway, that just reminded me that when you said you didn't mean it that way, no, but I that was that was funny. Uh, <laughs> That's where your mind went, right? now. <laughs> That's where my mind went. So a big deal is, first of all, I think is um, theoretically, the problem isn't that people are reading the Bible at home. The problem is how do they, how, how, what has God, um, how has God designed for them to understand what the Bible says? And um, this gets to the, um, one of the things of scripture we talk about is the perspicuity of scripture. It's the what? Cl- the perspicuity of scripture. Spell that. The what? Say per- that again. Perspicuity. Perspicuity. Is that like sweating? That's yeah, perspiration. <laughs> Close. Yeah. I, there's deodorant. <laughs> oh, boy. See the people I work with. I'm tracking with you. Yeah. Dave, Dave's tracking with me. Okay. So when we're talking about that, it's the idea is, is the clarity of scripture. Yeah. How clear is scripture so um, so someone can read the Bible and understand what it means? And this is from the uh, 1689 Baptist Confession. One of the things it says here is, All things in scripture are not alike plain in themselves, nor alike clear unto all. Right? So there's some things in the Bible that are pretty confusing. Even Peter says, Paul writes some things that are hard to understand. It says, Yet those things which are necessary to be known, believed and observed for salvation, are so clearly propounded and opened in some place of scripture or other that not only the learned, but the unlearned, and this is very important, in the due use of ordinary means may attain to a sufficient understanding of them. So what it's trying to say here is this, because in the past, the Roman Catholic Church, perhaps in the Middle Ages, people were saying, listen, you don't need to understand all these things. You just need to trust us. So what was happening was instead of their trust being in Christ, their trust was in the priestcraft or Mm -hmm. in the church and saying, listen, you trust us. And when you trust us, you're trusting Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the Reformation was saying, no, that's not the way this works either. We're about trusting Jesus. But they were so they were saying, listen, so the things that are most important for someone to be saved about salvation in Christ, repentance from sins, forgiveness, that's pretty plain in the Bible. And somebody, whether they're no matter whether they're learned or unlearned, can come to an understanding of those basic things in the Bible. They may not understand everything, 
or um, some of the more advanced things, but they can understand those things. But it says that they come to that understanding in the due use of ordinary means. And by that, I take that to mean that partially that does mean Bible reading, but it also means prayer, but especially it means the corporate gathering of the church. So um, we, we come to how has God designed for us to understand his what his mouth is saying to us in the Bible? Well, he's given us the church is part of the due means of the word preached, the word read, the word uh, symbolized in baptism and supper, the word sung in the church. All of those things are the means, the instruments that God uses to help us understand what this book is saying. So the, the, the answer to the problem is not read your Bible at home or don't read your Bible at home. We want you to read your Bible at home. But as you do that, understand the way you understand what that Bible is meaning is not primarily by yourself at home. It is through the church in the community. That's the means that God, generally speaking, has used um, to uh, to instruct us in the scriptures. And so some people will say, well, you're saying you're binding God. You're saying God can't work other ways, maybe, um, or whatever. No, we're saying God is not bound, but we are bound to his means. He has bound us to those things. He's He can teach people however he wants to do it, but he's bound us to these things, to the church, to understand scripture that way. Um, so I think... That is a helpful, I think, way to step through some of these problems is the due use of ordinary means. Don't look for some extraordinary thing. Just come to church and hear the word read and preached and and taught in the church's community life. Yeah. And I think going back to what you were saying, Tim, I do think that it the, the problem is a is a Western problem, is a you know, since modernism and now you could say postmodernism, whereas in many parts of the world there's not access to having your own Bible. And so the way the body of Christ is growing in Pakistan, Northern India, you know, the 1040 window is through the congregation meeting in house in a home or, you know, wherever they can. And they're hearing the word and it's completely auditory. Like I think of the cooks, you know, in Papua New Guinea, you know, the people are illiterate, most of them. And so they have audio Bibles and they just, it's solar powered and they can just have their Bible and they can listen to it and then they can gather around and there's someone to help them understand. And it's really neat how the word word is spreading and how God is working through that. So I do think that, you know, it's a, it's a Western problem that people are like, oh yeah, yeah, I don't need to come to church. You know, I've got my, I've got my TV preacher. I've got my Bible. <laughs> I've got my Bible app, you know, I'm good to go. And that's not, the majority of the world doesn't function that way mm -hmm. or has the opp opportunity to function that way, you know? So I think that's good. Hmm. You get kind of weird whenever you do that. <sighs> right? Yeah. I just bring that up for discussion. That was the only reason. Yeah. It's so, good. All right. I thought it was worth no, it's good. discussion. I appreciate Bring that. Bring some life to what was yeah. a boring podcast until then. No. Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Wow. Yeah. On that yeah. note. <laughs> All right. I'll go ahead and mute There's Tim. There's some perspiration going on right now. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. Joking, that man. was a very perspicuous statement you said there, Tim. Dry? Clear. Clear. That's what it was. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. All right. No. I'm going to go ahead and mute Tim now so he can't speak anymore. So... We'll go ahead and wrap up here. Thanks for listening. Take care. God bless.